Welcome to the Terrapin 20 presented by the Left Bench TV where we recap everything Maryland sports that's happened in the last week in just 20 minutes. Your hosts today are me, Jonas Evans, alongside Nathan Schwartz, Brandon Schwartzberg, and Duncan Irvin. And we've got a lot to talk about. This is our spring break recap. Also, our first episode that we're doing here. We're very excited to present this to you all. We're going to start with the most interesting thing that happened for Maryland sports, which was a new head coach for the Maryland basketball team. It is Kevin Willard, who was previously at Seton Hall, uh, had a lot of success there. What are our initial reactions to the hiring? I think it's a good hire by Damon Evans. I think coming off of a down year by Maryland standards and having four months to really sit on this and think about where you want the program to go, I think Willard is an excellent option. He's had success at the college level. He's been in the NBA. He knows what he's doing, and I think he's already got a great plan in place to lead this Maryland program. Yeah, I think Willard has been linked to Maryland ever since the beginning, ever since Turgeon was let go. And so this this doesn't really come to a surprise, especially knowing that the other candidates they had in mind to start, um, Nate Oates, Bruce Pearl, any of them, they either announced they were returning, signed extensions, any of that. So this was kind of seen and not surprising really the last few weeks. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, everybody's kind of knock on Mark Turgeon was that he couldn't really win tournament games. And despite making five uh, tournaments as head coach, Seton Hall's head coach, he's only won, I believe, one game in those five years, which, you know, not a, not a great sign, but um, hopefully at a school like Maryland, you know, he said he, he's, he's grown up, he's coached in this region, and he said he's always admired Maryland basketball. So being named head coach of the, one of the nation's premier basketball programs is a tremendous honor for him. And I think he's uh, really, he seems like he wants to be here, which Mark Turgeon did not for a long while. So I think it's, a, like Nate saying, a good step forward. Right. That's his quote that he had at the press conference with Damon Evans and, of course, Willard, where they also presented the news that they're going to have a new basketball um, facility for practicing something that Maryland obviously didn't have. Um, so that's very exciting. Previous to Seton Hall, um, Willard also coached at Iona for three years and then also an assistant at Louisville and the Boston Celtics. But speaking of those um, that those March Madness struggles, he has had five March Madness appearances, um, done some good work in the Big East as well. He um, won it in 2015, um, and he won the regular season title in 2019. Nate, we also had a few ha- um, hirings by Willard himself already within the first week of him being here, right? Yeah, so we got two hires coming in to be assistants, first of all being David Cox, who has been Rhode Island's head coach for the past four seasons now he's an excellent hire I think Willard mentioned in his press conference he wants to build more of a DMV culture in his coaching staff especially that's coming from his other hire in Tony Skin who's a Maryland native from Tacoma Park which isn't too far from here and he was also an assistant coach at LA Tech and Seton Hall with Willard previously, also Ohio State. So he has experience with Willard. He knows the system he's trying to run. And I think that continuity is going to be something that this Maryland program needs, especially with the lack of players on the roster for next season. Yeah, and also you mentioned he's been an assistant coach with Ohio State. I think that could be a, a very important aspect from the hiring, bringing in someone who's who knows about the Big Ten, who's been around players, coaches, who – that in that way he can help Willard with specific conference things and the honestly the level up in competition. Right, and I think the biggest thing that I I think we can all agree on this. Well, we'll I'll get your opinions too. Is 
what's really going to be crucial here is his recruiting. Uh, Duncan, you and I were we we all were talking off um uh, off the mic about a very interesting player that they might have um some some level with uh, Kwame Evans. Uh, in two years, if he can get a really high level, uh, high highly touted recruit, um, his recruiting is really going to define his time here at Maryland. I think that's going to be crucial, especially coming from a smaller school. You know, he's going to have to get really big names here if he wants success at Maryland. Absolutely, and then I think we that's all we have for the men's basketball side of things. And then we can swing it over to the women's side. Brandon March Madness tournament has come and gone for Maryland women's basketball. How did the tournament wind up for? the Terps. Yeah, it was a really great start for the Terps. I mean, they hosted the the first two rounds as a four seed, and so Xfinity Center was electric. It was a lot of fun to cover it. Uh, the fans really showed out and supported the Terps well, and so their first round matchup against 13 seed Delaware, they won handedly by 31 points, 102 to 71. They got out to an early lead, early lead and then just led throughout. They held the CAA Conference Player of the Year to only to 31 points, but it was on 12 of 32 shooting. So she had to really work for those buckets. And you could tell it just wasn't fluid. Their defense was really well, and their offense played about as best as it had looked all season long. And so I was really impressed. I mean, the whole the whole starting lineup scored in double figures. Diamond Miller had probably one of her best games of the year. And then in the second round against Florida Gulf Coast, they it was close at first, close in the first half. Maryland pulled away in the third quarter after a strong closeout to the second quarter, and it was mainly because of Maryland's guard play of Diamond Miller and Ashley Wusu. They combined for 44 of the 89 points that Maryland scored. And then, I mean, it was really a three-person show with Miller, Wusu, and Reese as she scored 21. She she was really nice from the foul line, 11 for 14, which she's mentioned as she's been working on that a lot, staying after practice, coming early to practice, getting those shots up. And so... It was a very good <clears throat> first two rounds. It looked like they had a chance to go far in the tournament, but then came the matchup against the reigning national champion, number one seed Stanford, and it was not a good game for the Terps. I mean, the box score, you'll show, it It says they only lost by six, but they were down 26 points in the fourth quarter. It was not close at all. It was tough to watch. Diamond Miller fouled out. Cheyenne Sellers fouled out. Angel Reese had four fouls. They were fouling Stanford a lot. And it just their offense did not get any groove. Stanford, meanwhile, consistently fed each other well. They had a bunch of backdoor cuts to the rim, which were really nice. They moved the ball moved the ball well and just it was a real showing of who's the dominant team and who wasn't. Yeah, right. And I mean Stanford is in the final four here, so they really had a a, a really tough team on them. I believe they were the second team in the country going into the tournament, a one seed. Makes sense. And Angel Reese did lead scoring with 25 points. Obviously, a, a kind of a diamond in the rough for a little bit on this season. She had a tremendous season, um, something that I think uh, Coach uh, Brenda Fries is going to be very proud of looking back. Yeah, I think the big thing from the Stanford game that stood out to me was Katie Benzen not having a single point, only one attempt from beyond the arc, 0 for 5 from the field. As being one of Maryland's pros, most prolific scorers, Throughout the entire season, Stanford was able to keep her in check. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, she did not play in the first matchup correct. between these two teams. So for a team that hadn't seen her before the season to shut her down like that, I think that just speaks wonders about Stanford's coaching ability and their dominance on the court. And Chloe Bibby was 
um, pretty cold from three as well. And she came out with this quote saying, they punished us first, definitely towards the end of the first quarter. We could have crashed our board a little bit harder in that first quarter, and that's what knocked us back for the rest of the game. So it seems like, according to Chloe Bibby and the other players, they feel like if they had gotten off to a better start, the game would have been a, a very different story. And the score is a little skewed by the fourth quarter comeback. This was this game was all Stanford. This really wasn't that close. And as good as Maryland's been, they just seem to recently not be able to get past the Sweet 16. And it's this can be another conversation for another day but with the w- outlook of women's basketball right now it seems like it's always the same like four to six teams competing for the national championship every year and and, and the other really, teams aren't getting over the hump yeah maryland really hasn't been in the shuffle there at, at the top spot they've obviously been com- competitive brenda freeze has put on put together a really good program but it's just they haven't you're, you're right they haven't been able to get over that hump and i think something like that would have been to beat um, Stanford. It would have been a tough matchup, but really, they did not play their best basketball. They didn't. They didn't seem to um, perform at the level that I, you know. We saw some impressive wins earlier in the season. Yeah. The Baylor win. I, I think if that team that beat Baylor played against Stanford, this would have been a much different story. But uh, they just they couldn't put it all together towards the end of the I, season. I think that losing Faith Masonis midway early, early to midway through the season is a very big injury that is going to go unnoticed, just because it really limited their depth. Maryland went only seven deep i think having that eighth person would have been crucial to get people off the court katie benson played 40 minutes chloe bibby played 35 and they were combined four for 18 from the field so i just think that had they gone some rest they could have had more energy shot the ball a little bit better it just seemed like everyone just did not play with the energy you expect in a sweet 16 matchup but we're going to talk next about men's lacrosse and the impressive win that they had against number two Virginia. That's right. The number one team in the country, Maryland, beat number two Virginia in a whopping 23-12 to bludgeon. It was not as close as it was supposed to be. This was the game that was played at Audi Field, um, advertised as a great matchup. And uh, this was one of Maryland's easier matchups, it looked like. And I think it was what it was everything put together, just a great performance from from a team that solidified themselves as a number one team in the country. Yeah, this is these are the games that you hope to get on your schedule, right? It, I mean, we saw with women's basketball how many times they played a top 10 team throughout the, the course of this season. And I think this was a huge confidence boost for this men's lacrosse team. John Tillman and those guys suffered heartbreak back in May when they lost by one goal at the hands of the Cavaliers in the national championship game and then coming out and just absolutely destroying them uh, on the 19th at Audi Field. That's comp- such a important win for this program. And we can talk about the coaching all we want, but the graduate students are yeah. just absolutely killing it. Uh, Duncan, what do you think about the top three scorers for Maryland yeah, I mean, this year. Uh, you kind of hit on it. You know, obviously last year when we had a guy as dominant as Jared Bernhardt, everybody kind of wonders, what are you going to do to replace him? Obviously, Logan Wisnowskis was a really solid number two. But now this year you've added Keegan Kahn and Jonathan Donville, who have both been incredible and kind of have helped make up for that seemingly huge gap uh, that Bernhardt left behind. And you can honestly argue that this team is better now than they were last year. Um, I mean, like you said, they blew out the number one team in the nation, team that beat them in the national championship less than a year ago. And now they've kind of separated themselves from not just Virginia, but really everybody else in the entirety of the nation. You know, they beat Princeton, who was ranked number three um, as recently as last weekend. It's really kind of uh, these three kind of top guys, the grad transfers, have all um, helped, helped keep Maryland at where they're at and push them further than they were last year, honestly. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the top, the three leading scorers for that uh, for for the game against Virginia were Keegan Khan, Logan Wisnowskis, and Donville, all graduate students. And speaking of Wisnowskis, he's having a tremendous season, uh, just one for the ages. He's leading the team in points, goals, and assists. He's top 10 in points per game and assists per game in the entire country. On a loaded team like Maryland, that's extremely impressive. And then he's also top 30 in goals per game, so he's really just doing it all on the field consistently. I remember when I watched the Loyola game that they played here at home, I could, he, he was just the most dominant player on the field. It, it's just kind of a different level with him. He has his ferocity with his shot. He's so mobile. He's so strong. And he's so smart with the way he plays the ball. He seems to know exactly where to throw the ball every single time. He's very smart. Um, I, and he's, this lead, he's the leader on this team. Um, and they have a great leader in that. Also worth noting, they beat um, Penn State yeah. on Sunday, I believe, to open up Big Ten play. Penn State's obviously having a down year. But, you know, you got to get wins all the time. And, um going to be good rest of the season yeah and i mean there's still the potential for a historic season their last undefeated the last undefeated team to win the national championship was virginia in 2006 and right now where we stand they're still undefeated number one team in the country so it's very like very likely a high possibility that they can make history and really prove to be one of the best ncaa lacrosse teams ever and then finally, we've got Maryland Baseball, the team that was ranked at the beginning of the season. They've had a little bit of a drop-off in recent days, but as we're recording this, this is actually on the 29th of March. Today, they absolutely destroyed Towson, 26-8. to Nate and I were watching a little bit of this game, Duncan monitoring it as he is the reporter for Left Bench. They, uh, everything was working for them, the batting, the pitching, uh, maybe a little, maybe not the best in terms of um, complete shutout pitching, but I think it was a very impressive win either way. What have we seen from this team in recent weeks that's impressed you, and what do you think they still need to work on, Nate? Yeah, I think for me, it's just been the inconsistency with the with the pitching staff and the run support day in and day out. Um, like the other day on Sunday when they lost to Dallas Baptist, Jason Savicol didn't have a tremendous start by his standards but then the run support wasn't there to where in others in other games Jason Savick really, really hasn't had to worry about run support um and then it's always been the midweek games that have really gotten to him but today against Towson they that was not even an issue the run support was off the charts 26 runs most Maryland has put up in a game since 2007 and I mean against a team like Towson I think that's pretty generally believe that you're going to do that but brandon what do you think about maryland baseball over the past couple weeks going back to your the midweek pitching i i think it's been a big factor as to why they haven't been as consistent as they as we wished because the past three midweek midweek games the starter has only gone three innings in it and so they're still searching for that midweek starter and you mentioned it was the game they just played was against Towson and so you would think okay that should be a gimme win well one of those midweek games was against Delaware in Towson's conference and they lost and so they I think finding that midweek game is going to be crucial as they continue with the season yeah I mean you kind of y'all have talked about the pitching struggles a little bit but um obviously today is not a really great example putting up 26 on the board but even in games they've won you know um against Georgetown and Cornell a couple weekends ago they left a lot of runners on base and if they can kind of continue to work on bringing those guys home as well as tightening up the pitching staff I think you know me and Nate were talking about this the other day I think they have a really good shot to compete for the Big Ten title yeah so uh speaking of the Big Ten title what what do you think the expectations are here for this team they were obviously ranked earlier like I mentioned before 
Do we see them going far? Do we see them winning the Big Ten? I think they, for sure, you know, obviously last year coming off a regional um, in the NCAA tournament, I think expectations were definitely raised a little bit more coming into this season. I don't, I don't see any reason why they couldn't win the Big Ten. I think um, if they don't fix some of the issues that we've talked about a little bit tonight, then they definitely are leaving the door open for a team like Michigan to come in and potentially steal the title away from them. But uh, it's definitely in the realm of possibility for them to win the conference. Yeah, I think it's honestly Maryland's conference to lose. I mean, with the way this lineup can perform, as we saw today, Maxwell Costas in the past has talked about how well-balanced this lineup is. And, I mean, you just look at it today. Costas had three hits of his own, three RBIs. Matt Shaw, three for four, probably his best game at the plate this year. Troy Schreffler was four for seven today with five RBIs. Nick LaRusso, three for four. These guys in the middle of the lineup are just performing. And if Matt Shaw can get hot, he got moved down recently from the third spot in the lineup to the fifth spot in the lineup, I think that's going to help him a lot. Just settle into the game, not have to worry about being the guy that's got to produce at the plate all the time. And like I said before, I think it's their conference to lose as long as they can get steady pitching in the midweek and some st- and the weekend starters stay relatively the same and the offense keeps performing like they did today. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree 100% with what you were saying. I, I think they have a legit shot to go far this season. They just The key thing for me is to find that midweek starter. If they find that, I don't see any team that really can stop them. All right, and that does it for our show. Just quickly to note, in terms of other sports, we were uh, something to talk about was women's tennis that was on this historic uh, win streak uh, over double digits. They just went over to Illinois to play both Northwestern and the University of Illinois. Dropped two pretty tough matches, four to three against Illinois, and then got swept seven to nothing by Northwestern. So definitely something to work on there. They do come back to College Park now. Um, as for the rest of the sports, we obviously can't get to everything, but. Tune in next week. We'll have all the coverage of everything that happens here at College Park and across the country for the Terps. For now, it's been Jonas Evans alongside Nathan Schwartz, Brandon Schwartzberg, and Duncan Irvin. Tune in next week.